We are back here on the new sports order in what is, I think officially, is the least sports-heavy week of the calendar year. Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the lost week. I mean, this is where they put the SBs, and this is where they put things. You go, oh yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good time, especially now where there's two days. It used to be that there was nothing the night after the All Star game. That was kind of your travel day, and then the Major League Baseball schedule resumed on Thursday. Now, pretty much, it's universal that everyone resumes on Friday. So now you have two days, two nights where there's just nothing there's some nba summer league stuff and to quote austin powers a flock of seagulls and that's about it and kind of by this point of summer league for the most part all the exciting players that you want to watch have already been (laughs) sent home for the rest of the summer like oh you played two games don't hurt yourself go home yeah, that's a. It, it feels like this is the time where all of sports is on vacation. Like football pods that are posting two to three times a week through the draft, through free agency, through you know mini camps, OTAs. Even now, like even the beat guys are like, "Yep, I'm taking that vacation now for two weeks." Because don't look now, but training camps gonna, are going to start here in I mean, like just over a week. I think the Jets report like the 18th, as we found out today. Um, hard knocks jets they're going to be on hard knocks what uh what was your initial reaction when you found out the jets are going to be on hard knocks i was both surprised and not surprised at all i think because there was whatever we talked about this a few weeks ago there's pretty much three teams that qualified at this point and you look at it and like oh clearly the nfl wants the jets they're they're the most interesting story yeah, Aaron Rodgers, and on the Jets side, you could see that that's probably the absolute last thing they want as they're trying to acclimate Aaron Rodgers, and it's going to be its own amount of hoopla as it is. And well, you never know what... I feel like that's going to be a crazy... What would what, Aaron Rodgers is going to say something just bizarre and out there at some point. Like, undeniably. I think he's going to say a lot that's bizarre and weird. He, he he seems like he's going to try hard to seem interesting and enigmatic and this kind of, like, intelligent mystery where he's so just casual and guarded, yet he's saying all these things on a television show on HBO that everyone in the NFL watches. So I, I'm I'm interested, but at the same time, I'm like, ugh. like I already feel like I know sort of the tone and tenor that we're going to get from Aaron Rodgers. What I want to know, and, and I don't think they, they, they can, and if the Jets are able to, we'll say, control the narrative at all through this process, Zach Wilson will not be on the show at all. Like, he will be in... You know the that the quarterback room shot. You know where they have that one camera that looks like it's up in the corner, and they sort of shoot the quarterback room, and you get a little bit of that. Like that will be the only time that we ever see Zach Wilson. I can or see the, that being Robert Sala's like first request of HBO is, please, we're not going to do the twenty minute interview with Zach Wilson about how he's trying to battle back and you know reclaim a job, but he's just learning under Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that kid has it in him to come across as sympathetic. I feel like we could get an awkward interview that both sides completely set up. And like, all you have to do is be like, this is a great opportunity for me to learn under one of the greatest quarterbacks that have ever played. And it's going to come off so scripted. (laughs) It's just, I think we're, I think we're going to get, that's going to be one of the, they don't do the interview. It's going to be like the media scrum at the beginning of training camp, and someone's going to ask him that, and they're going to use that footage of him saying, oh, I'm learning every day, and I'm doing that because I don't think they want to do the you – know, it's not the Colt McCoy story last year where we're going to follow Colt McCoy home, and he's just dad, and he's got kids, and there's the wife, and you know, this is the life of the backup quarterback just throwing wiffle balls. 
Like you're not getting that with Zach Wilson. There is Zach no, Wilson. We're going home know. with him. He's dating a woman that has kids. <laughs> They're 22. <laughs> they don't want to play wiffle ball. He doesn't want to play wiffle ball with them. It's a perfect marriage. But don't bring but up marriage. Yeah. You it, also got to remember though. Come those preseason games they put on there. Rodgers isn't getting a lot of time. Zach Wilson's going to get plenty. That's a good point because you do see a lot of the backup or even the third string quarterback. So that will be, that'll be, I think, sort of the dichotomy is that so much or, or so much of what HBO is going to want is going to be about Rodgers. But you're right. If he's not playing in these games and the, the stories are the quarterbacks behind him, uh, yeah, there's some good storylines outside, though, of, of Rodgers and Wilson. I mean, this is going to be, I think, not the introduction, because I think you know football fans have obviously been introduced to him. He was a top pick a year ago. But this is going to be big for Sauce Gardner. Like, this can be where he really, you know, you know puts the brand on himself. Um, you know, Brees Hall. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot about his uh, recovery story from, from last year's injury and, and what he can be this year. But... Uh, it's good. I wasn't looking forward to Derek Carr season two in New Orleans. Washington is a, just always kind of, eh. you know, if I had to watch Sam Howell and Ron Rivera, like I like Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is a great coach. Good dude. I mean, but I don't think we're getting a lot out of that. I, I don't think it's going to be compelling television. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the, they still are in a position where the last thing they want is more attention. Was it ESPN just dropped a huge article today documenting how, like, the Gruden emails led to the end of Dan Snyder? Yeah, I mean, and that's probably another piece of this, too, that the NFL doesn't really want, you know, with the sale going on and, and all of that, it's like how much of a light do you want to cast on the Redskins you know, on Washington now? Whereas, you know, maybe you want to do that in two years, three years, new ownership, you know, people have kind of come around and actually called them by the correct name. Uh, maybe that's more of an option where right now it's like, that's not the most palatable franchise you want to put out there. One that's had three names in four seasons and, it has a young quarterback taking over for this year. Speaking though, you mentioned Sauce Gardner. Did you see got a little Twitter beef? A little Twitter beef with Asante Samuel? Well, and, and Darrell Revis. The Revis came step- to his defense, if I read it right. So how did this start? Because I saw, I, I'm always late to these. Like, all I saw uh, was essentially from what, I saw, what Revis like, said at the end to shut down Samuel. Yeah, like... NFL, I think it was NFL Network, or I could probably find it. Jeremy Fowler ranked Gardner as the second best cornerback in the NFL already. And Samuel tweeted, the New York media will take your career to another level. And Gardner came back with, yeah, Darrell Revis. What did he do that was special? It was all New York media. More or less, I'm paraphrasing. And then, sure. you know, Revis came in and told Samuel to stop being a hater. This is this has become a Sante Samuel. This is how brand. boring this week is that we're talking. Yeah, it, it's it's not great. Asante Samuel puts stuff out all the time. He he's got some bitterness towards the Patriots, some anger towards the Patriots. He's whatever you know. The Patriots get tossed under the bus. Asante Samuel you know, wants to drive. I don't get it. I, I don't understand that, you know, they, they trade him because they couldn't pay him. They traded him. He went to what Philly, then Atlanta. I mean, he had a great career. Um, I don't know if it's a hall of fame career, but it was a damn good career. Won a couple of super bowls. Could have had another one. Uh, draw Revis. I saw really shut it down there with his comment of, you know, you could have had another ring. You could have had the undefeated season. If you just held on to that interception on, the Giants' final drive, which, um, I mean, he's not wrong. That's really the, the play that Patriots fans will never forget. And I think, as a whole, people in the NFL have kind of, like, overlooked that. I mean, Manning threw a pick right through his hands. Mm-hmm. If he had a jump, it, it wasn't, you know, an absolute bunny, but it was a game-ending gift. 
Like that would end it that they'd have the 19 and oh, the perfect season. Uh, Asante Samuel would be, you know, a heroic figure in New England. And now he's a Twitter troll. So yeah. there you go. Life, life comes at you fast. He could have been Malcolm Butler. In a way, yeah. Well, he could have, in a way, been like Stephon Gilmore, you know, that had like up oh, the big right. kind of like, like sort of game ending. Overall, like, you know, Asante Samuel had a far better career than Malcolm Butler, but Malcolm Butler sure. will always be like the Patriot hero because he made the pick on the goal line. Right. Oh, 100%. He, he has. I will venture to say that is. Change the like the best word. I want to say like that is the top play of it. It's got to be the top play of NFL history. Like it decided a Super Bowl. One team is a, a yard away from winning it, and instead they throw the interception happens and they lose. Like is it the most athletic? Like it, it's the biggest play in Super in, in NFL history. Yeah, it's definitely up there. Yeah, I mean we always see the same ones over and over. Clark's touchdown against the Cowboys, which. Highly overrated. Like he yeah. made a jumping catch on the back of the end zone. It wasn't that spectacular. Niners. It's it's a great throw. Montana puts it you know where he needs to. But yeah, I mean I think that was third down. So they still would have had fourth down to to try it. I mean I get it. It's, it's a great play. Yeah, th- there are some where you look at it. The immaculate reception is a crazy ending, and it's a wild play, and it's a freaky carom and. Everyone kind of gives up on it. Franco scores. I mean, it's that's one of the most improbable ones. But again, that was in the right. And there's the, like the, the you know the, it, was, it was the divisional round, and then the Steelers lost to the the Dolphins. Like right. that wasn't even leading to a Steelers Super Bowl. And you weigh like you have to look at them and kind of weigh them differently between like great play, lucky play. Like there's like a scale to it. Sure. Like the helmet catches. An unbelievable play that everyone will always talk about. Was it a great play or was it a lucky, oh, crap, it's up there. And to his credit, he held on to it and everything. But is it a great play or is it a, wow, that was an amazingly lucky play? Yeah, I mean, as a Patriot fan, I'm saying it's it's the latter. I mean, it was, uh, I, I still don't know how it was Rodney Harrison hanging off your arms. You hold on to that. It's impressive. Uh, but uh, I, I thought Eli should have been down for momentum. He, he was completely stopped, and they should have blown the play. And there may uh, have possibly been a couple holdings. Oh, there's at least four. There's at least four holdings on that. There was no way Eli Manning was running the three little pigs in the backfield, and they weren't holding the – they've all admitted it. Looking like uh, Donovan McNabb just <laughs> sitting back there for 14 seconds. Yeah, like uh, – just I think it was like last last week. I don't know. I just recently saw another story where I can't remember who it was. It was like Chris Snee or um, one of the guys on that, Sean O'Hara. I think it was Sean O'Hara was like, oh, yeah, I was holding Richard Seymour the entire play. I held him for 10 seconds. It's like, yeah, no, of course you did. <laughs> like, look at the play. You know, Richard Seymour has five people on him. But uh, It's like when they always yeah, say, I, in I, the I, same, I, like with basketball, when they always say, oh, you can't, you got to swallow the whistle. In the final minute, you can't make that call. I'm like, yes, if it's a foul in the first quarter, it's a foul in the fourth quarter. Yeah, in a play like that, I mean, like he was kind of in the grasp. The play was essentially down. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I hate revisiting that one. But Malcolm Butler, you know, biggest play in NFL history. There's, I I think, more impressive physical plays. But I think for, for what it means in that moment, like there's nothing especially to des- to decide a Super Bowl. Speaking of, you know, quarterbacks, NFL, I watched episode one of Quarterback on Netflix today. Yeah, premiered today or you know, was released. Yeah, today. released today. I think it's eight episodes following Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota for the entire season. They had him mic'd up all 18 weeks or whatever. It'll be, I put it this, the first episode did not have me enthralled to the Mm. point where like, oh, I started drifting into my phone a little bit. Right. We'll see. I think I'm going to get, I think I'm going to give it like a week and then I'm going to start it. I'm going to, you know, I'll I'll hear a little buzz 
because I mean you're not spoiling anything like especially like yeah. we know what happened in the season like there's no spoiler like yeah we know Pat Mahomes wins the Super Bowl in the end um but I'm gonna wait just a little bit because if I watch it this week say if I binged it the next like five days and finished it which for me is binging I'm not you know sitting down and doing it one day um I would just like desperately need football to start right now like I know me like as soon as I watch a show I'm just going to be jonesing for like training camp footage and you know teams in like shells just you know thrown in gym shorts. Yeah. I'm going to need that. It felt the first episode felt a lot like the quarterback scenes from Hard Knocks. Like we're just going to take the quarterback mm-hmm. scenes. Like oh, we're at Patrick Mahomes' birthday party with his wife and you know, oh, Kirk Cousins is tucking his kid in, reading him a story. We'll see. We'll I was see. A, I was a little disappointed because you've had this huge run of like the Netflix sports shows, sure, where they've been just enthralling and you know making stars. And this one was a little. Eh. I think this one is an Omaha production. Sure, I think Peyton Manning was in the open. <laughs> I was I saying, everything's so. you know yeah he, he's involved in just about everything now though i wonder uh, the difference being and, and why you know i'm really interested in this show but at the same time i could see where it may not reach non-fans kind of like you know full swing or need for speed has it's just because that is looking into a world that people don't know i feel like we know especially you and i we know a lot about the nfl like we watched most of these games, we watched the playoff games. Like we saw most of this. We know the personalities. Yeah, we're probably going to learn a lot about Marcus Mariota. You know, someone we haven't spent a lot of time thinking about. Or we're going to see Kirk Cousins, who's a guy that, yeah, we think has, we we think of him in one way as this kind of squeaky clean, boring, you know, fifty year old dad quarterback. And maybe there is another side to him, or maybe we just find out he's exactly what we sort of think he is. I think the biggest revelation will be, you know, Mahomes and how, like, what is his personality? We don't really know. Like, we know his dad was a major league pitcher. We know all the the hot button, you know, things about him, that he was a baseball player. That's, you know, some of the arm speed stuff and throw like a shortstop and all these different things. But I think he's the one that is the most interesting because this is going to be the first sort of long-form look at, all right, like, who who is Pat Mahomes? Yeah, I mean, there had a few. He did the New Heights podcast. That was pretty good with the Kelseys. That opened up a little bit. But, yeah, this is – it's different. And, obviously, there's so much around him in regards to the public perception of both his wife and his brother, who is – in jail, or he's on trial for sexual harassment and some other things. Don't talk about uh, Mahomes' brother, or, like cut the stuff out that he's in. Like, yeah, it, it'll, I'll be interested to see how much, if at all, he's included. Yeah, I would assume not at all. But yeah, like, would, his wife is so. also like not super popular with the people. She's said no. stuff before and like dumped water on people or whatever it was. It's interesting because he has about as high an approval rating as there is while being surrounded with, you know, people you can't stand. Undesirables. Yeah. It'd be like if Stone Cold Steve Austin came out, but he came out with Dominic Mysterio. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good, analogy i'm interested to see how much his dad is in it if they do anything with that because it's funny where you know pat mahomes was a longtime reliever in major league baseball with rangers twins mats you know one of those guys that feels like he pitched forever and pitched for every team but you don't see or hear that much from him he's there i mean you, you see bits and pieces you know them hugging after games but like i feel like i haven't really seen any interviews with Pat Mahomes Sr. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot. I feel like yeah, you, I didn't you don't see, really know about him yet. Yeah, I didn't see any in episode one. I, I mean, it did a flashback to 2020 when they won their first Super Bowl. 
and it showed him, you know, hugging his dad and everything after. But yeah, didn't really talk to him too much. Yeah. Yeah. For as much as they bring up the baseball stuff, I mean, I feel like they, like he hasn't been that big a part of it. I'm sure there's been the, you know, Pam Oliver Fox interview before a game where they, you know, do the studio stuff for 10 minutes, but, um, no, I, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be something good to hopefully get us to the start of training camp and then hard knocks. It's a little uh, little hard knocks appetizer. Yeah, like I said, and I didn't even think of it before. Until I literally just thought, I'm like, oh, this is very much like they just pulled the pulled the quarterback sections of hard knocks out, and we're just doing that. But it okay, is Tom. NFL films and Omaha productions. So I did. All right. I mean, you put NFL films with it and it can't be that bad. I think the Omaha productions relationship is, is probably stems like that uh, golden touch, you know, the king of collectibles show that came out a few months ago. I enjoyed that one uh, about Ken golden and golden auctions. That's again, another Omaha production. So I think there's some sort of deal between Peyton and, and Netflix going on right now. All right, Tom, let, let's do this before we get into our movies of the week. Uh, you can pick three quarterbacks to be on, we'll say, season two of the Netflix show Quarterbacks. Who do you pick? Are we keeping kind of the same structure as in like, oh, one super established kind of superstar, one very good quarterback but hasn't gotten over the hump and then young guy or journeyman or yeah we'll, we'll, we'll go all right well, let's do this we can even i don't know if you want to do it as a draft but we can just do it three for three and we'll each kind of like pick our guys um yeah let's say you pick a like top eight top ten like you got to pick like an elite ish quarterback someone someone up there uh then you need yeah i like the idea of like a veteran can be any ilk you know so they can be i mean you could pick aaron Rodgers, but they just have to be someone who's been in the league for a while you know a kirk cousins or a uh well i was about to say like you know ben roethlisberger but you know obviously retired uh and then we'll uh, we'll go wild card you can pick a wild card so it can either be the the backup quarterback the journeyman quarterback or you know you could be, pick a rookie if you want to all right i'm good with that I feel like, and I would guess this pick I would take is the middle guy, the veteran, and I, and I, especially if it's based off this coming season, and it's just there's must be a whole lot of entertainment to it in terms of I want to see him and his coach and how they mesh. That's Russell. That's Russell, Hustle and Bustle, Man Muscle Wilson. <laughs> uh, okay. Like I, I want to like see, I want to see the shot of him going into training camp, and they're like, "Hey, Sean Payton got rid of your office in the building. You have to go in the locker room with everybody else." But no, I feel like that's going to be incredibly. Interesting, and I think there's going to be a lot of a lot there on the bone in terms of the interactions between him and Sean Payton. I just don't think I want to watch Russell Wilson, the person. Like watching him as a quarterback is one thing, but I mean he is never like when you think of Russell Wilson speaking words. I mean the only ones that come to mind are let's ride, and it's completely mocking him. Yeah, it's either that or the. And to be Mike fair, Kevin. I've only watched one episode, so I don't know actually how much they get into the delves. And if you see, you know, a lot of interacting between coach and player, and there's a lot of interesting stuff in episode one, or not a lot, but a little bit with like Kirk Cousins and talking to the coaches about having to need to go over all the signals, and you know, they need to know the difference between sombrero and halo and not confusing him because he's in a new playbook for the first time. I would agree if it is much more kind of reality show and just a lot of, you know, at home. 
Okay, Russell might not be the best pick, but he, well, there's potential. He, he I'm going play, high ceiling, your, high ceiling, low floor. But he could be your Kirk Cousins, where it's like, okay, like he he might be a little boring here, guys. Like this this might not be the most fun, but you know, it's at least interesting because the stuff with he and I'm sure if you had he and his wife Ciara, like that'll be interesting. But she'll be interesting, and you'll just be like, okay, how how are these two people together? That's a bonus for my pick. I get Sierra. I think you have to have Sierra. <laughs> All right, who's uh, who's your vet? That was my vet. That was my okay, vet. Okay, so that's your that's your vet. Who's your who are you taking for your star or your wild card? All right, you want to think about it? I'll, I'll take my vet. Okay. I got my list here. My vet. I'm going Andy Dalton. He kind of fits the journeyman been with several teams. I mean, I think he's been what, like five teams in the last four or five years after being, you know, kind of a successful starter. I, I like the idea of, of this show with, with Mariota. I know a lot of people are kind of scratching their head going, Marcus Mariota, like, you know, which of these doesn't really belong, but sometimes it's those guys kind of like, uh, as I mentioned, Colt McCoy on hard knocks last year in season with the Cardinals. Like I found the Colt McCoy stuff going like when I first watched it, I go, how is this guy still in the league? Then you watch a show and you go, oh, yeah, because he's, as we always say, he's an adult in the room and he's smart and he knows game plans. And, I mean, Andy Dalton, I think, is an interesting one, whereas, I mean, now he's, what, New Orleans? He's been in yeah. Dallas. He was in Chicago. Uh, yeah, he's just kind of been all over, and he's now worked himself kind of out of the, well, we're bringing him in. He's, you know, like I wanted the Patriots a couple of years ago. I thought he was as good an option to replace Tom Brady. As anyone that was out there, I felt more secure with an Andy Dalton than I did, you know, Cam Newton or you know, a lot of the other options that were out there. So it's just the you know how quickly life in the NFL can shift, and he might be in the league another ten years as a backup, you know, Colt McCoy type. We don't know. So I'll uh, I'll take veteran Andy Dalton. Okay, I like that. Um, I'm thinking wild card. Will Levis. That could be fun. It could be. That could be a lot of fun. Just putting mayonnaise on things. You know, early reports are Malik Willis is outplaying him right now to be the backup. <laughs> but obviously, I mean, it's. Which, which is just stunning because of how. Yeah. I mean. Malik Willis just didn't get it at all last year. The fact they needed to take another quarterback this year. But, you know, 24-year-old rookie, Will Levis, yoked. Just, I could see a lot of shots of angry because he's not the backup, just squatting 500 pounds. But I'll roll the dice on, you know, Will Levis journey to be something in the NFL. So I'm kind of between two for my, my wild card because I have one, but I don't think they're enough of a wild card. They're just kind of a really good young quarterback and I'm sort of interested, but at the same time, it's like, you know, all right, I'm going a different way. If Andy Dalton is going to be my sort of like my Kirk cousins, kind of the straight man of the group, um, my wild card doesn't get much wilder than this. I'm taking Baker Mayfield. All let's right. check in on old Baker. Let's let's again the kind of my journeyman's curiosity. Let's let's take a look under the hood of what's going on with old Baker Mayfield, who two years ago was winning playoff games, three years ago was winning playoff games in Pittsburgh for the Cleveland Browns, and now he's been on three teams, and he may be Tom Brady's replacement in Tampa Bay. I mean. He was very entertaining a, on Hard Knocks. He was. He was pretty – and he was a rookie. That was his first season. I mean, he hadn't played a game in the NFL yet when that show started. So it would be kind of an interesting five-year-later retrospective of, like, where is this guy now? And sort of hold those two pieces up against each other. Superstar, I feel like, got to go Joe Burrow. Agreed. There. He, he, he's who I wrote down. Needs to – they are still him – what is it, him and Justin Herbert are both still not locked into their extensions yet. 
which is getting interesting. They, you know, most thought they'd be done by now and be in, in place, both on teams that have historically not broken the bank to spend a lot of money. No. But, you know, is Joe Bur- Burrow already the most popular Bengal of all time? I mean, who's the argument? Boomer? I mean, Ken Anderson? I, guess. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, it really, it's... And those are the three quarterbacks that led him to Super Bowls. You know, Chad Johnson Williams. had a pretty high approval rating for, yeah. for a few years. Very popular. You know who I don't think it is, and even though I think the guy deserves to be in the argument is... T.J. Uh, Hushmanzada? Nah, maybe. Uh, no, I'm going to go... You know, Corey Dillon, I think, needs some consideration. But after this past week, where he out of nowhere kind of roasted the uh, the Bengals Ring of Honor, yeah, <laughs> don't don't think necessarily. What was that, that about? Uh, I saw it pop up, and I didn't read about it. Is it because he's not I, involved? I think like, he's not in it, but also like he really hasn't gotten any uh, kind of his just rewards for being a superstar player. Like <clears throat> when people talk about Corey Dillon, you know, they don't say, "Oh, there's a." To me. He's, probably a Hall of Fame running back, but you don't hear his name really brought up in that that era. I mean, you look at some of his numbers from that time period, really through his first two years in New England, he really you know, fell off that last year, but his first two years in New England, I mean, he was outstanding. And the numbers he put up in Cincinnati on some truly horrendous Bengals teams. I think he's got a. I think he's got a shot for that. Certainly, the the ring of honor for the Cincinnati Bengals, as you and I are talking of, who are the greatest Bengals of all time? It's like, well, it's Ken Anderson, Boomer Esiason, maybe it's Joe Burrow, it's Chad Ochocinco, and Corey Dillon's got to be like the next name out of your mouth. Yeah, man, he had sixteen hundred yards and twelve touchdowns his first year in New England. Yeah. Oh, he was an absolute stud. Career absolute highs. Stud. No, actually, he had 13 touchdowns his last year in New England. Yeah, Only 800 kind of yards, but got him near the yeah. goal line. He punched it in. <laughs> I remember that year, end of the year, it's in the playoffs. They're uh, playing the AFC title game in Indianapolis, and he breaks one outside. And he just, like, like he pulled up with a hamstring, except he didn't have a hamstring. He, he just got run down on the outside and uh, caught from behind where it's like, yeah, two years ago, Corey Dillon is absolutely gone, and that's that's six points the other way. All right, so I stole Burrow. Who would you throw in as another superstar option? So, so I'm between two. The other guy I had for my kind of young star, or you know, uh, was Trevor Lawrence. But then I kind of rethought that one. Uh, give me Josh Allen. I, I think Josh Allen's interesting. I think that team's in a, an interesting spot. Um, again, he's someone that if we're watching the show to sort of learn about these guys, I mean, I do want to know more about Burrow. I think we see a lot of it. I think we see quite a bit of Josh Allen, but again, you know, he seems like kind of a quiet guy. So I don't know. I, I think that's one where I'd want to know more about, you know, Josh Allen. Yeah. I've seen him. Uh, he did like the bussing with the boys podcast and showed a lot more personality. That was pretty good. Much like Russell Wilson with that draft pick, he apparently you get Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, yeah, I saw that headline. I mean, I don't really know who she is. I know she's famous, but uh, yeah, yeah Josh Allen's been on part of my take a few times. I've heard him on there. They were part of my take. the The hosts were uh, big Josh Allen guys. They actually uh, started the website draftjoshallen dot com before that draft. It was pretty much just all like, uh, like size comparisons. Like how big Josh Allen's hands are, how tall Josh Allen is, how far he can throw a football, and in the end, it's uh, it's worked out pretty well. Not so for Jamarcus Russell. No, no. I remember the bizarre thing. Like this guy's got to be drafted number one. He threw it seventy yards from his knees, <laughs> and it's like, how is that? How does that translate? Right, that's what everyone says now. Everyone's like, yeah, but look at the arm strength. Like, you know what he'll do standing up. It's like, well, yeah, we still don't. Look how far he can throw it with no defense and like a five-step lead-in to huck it. Did he hit the receiver? Well, I mean, no, not technically. 
It's like 40 times. Look how fast he went in a straight line with nobody in front of him. Well, it's like in the NBA where they're like, yeah, look at uh, wingspan. Uh, who's, who's like easying the, the, you know, there's like, look at him post up that chair. Yeah. Like, look at uh, these post yes. moves. The epic like, well, chair workouts. I think literally we haven't seen one since that because they're like, okay, nope, you're going to get roasted if you're posting up a chair slowly. God, I'm in the type of shape right now. I might, you know, take a breather and sit on said chair (laughs) mid post up. Backing them down, backing them down, backing them down. You remember when sit down, get up, drop step. Yeah, remember you'd be backing someone down and they would take like a step backwards and you would just fall. You know, it's like when you're really mm. bumping and, pull the and, and banging down there. They'd pull the chair out for me, yeah. Yeah, even if the chair didn't, I still might miss these days. All right, we're going to talk some movies. First, it's summertime, Sterling. It is. You know, we said it the heat. earlier this week, Vermont hit super hard with the rain, the flooding. Hopefully everybody is safe. Hopefully insurance covers everything and, you know, Mm. on to recovery with some just vicious flooding. But it is summertime. And if you want to get rid of those blues, maybe you need to hit the lake. And happily now, new sports order brought to you by LaCare's Marine of East Montpelier, Vermont. Man, if you need toys, this is the place to go. And I grew up living right next to Joey LaCare. And he always had the pontoon boat in the lake, Mm. always had the toys. And, like, as a kid, just the pontoon boat was the greatest thing. Forget the speedboat. Give me the pontoon boat. If you have a pontoon boat you are the unofficial mayor of your town like it's just like you you are the mayor of the lake because you're hosting unofficial town hall meetings everyone's on the pontoon like who who needs speed you don't need speed out there you want to you want to enjoy things you get a pontoon boat yeah and even if okay maybe that's not your thing and that's fine but any other toy you need They've got it. ATVs, side-by-sides, snowmobiles. And you're thinking, Tom, it's the middle of summer. I'm not thinking about snow machines. You should be, because now's the time to get them before the rush comes at wintertime. Because everyone wants them in January. Like, you you could get the sled you want right now. The color you want, the ride you want, the accessories you want. You could trick it all out now and have it ready for winter. But if you try to do that in like December when the snow's flying and everyone's going, hey, now we should go snowmobiling. You're like, yeah, you think? I already got that sweet sled on the trailer over at the house right now. I'm gassed up and ready to roll. And they have all the gear you need, helmets, whatever. They can hook you up. Great people. Been in service for a very long time. Very long time. LaCare's Power Sports, Route 14 in East Montpelier. You can also give them a call, 802-476-8199. Thank you to LaCare's coming on board for all of the Uncommon Media podcasts and happy to have them back. Check them out. You can visit them online also, LaCare's.com. That's L-A-Q-U-E-R-R-E-S, LaCare's. All right, Pearl. We went uh, Harrison Ford this week. We have been waiting to try to get the fugitive for you. That was kind of the Harrison Ford one we wanted to delve into. That one hadn't really popped up on free streaming on any of our services yet. But we were able to get Air Force One, which was always a classic for me as a kid. I was a little keyed up for The Fugitive, which we talked about that, I think, like a month ago. and Because it was streaming somewhere. It was on my list. I know it was. Yeah, Might have been on Max. I think. Yeah, it was, on, I it was somewhere. I texted you a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, I think it's on Pluto right now. 
and then when I actually went to watch it, it was gone. It had been taken off, which it, it's amazing that like middle of the month, things just disappear. Like, I think we need as a country, we need rules where it's like the first of the month. That's when you make transitions. That's when things are added. I'll, I'll let you premiere some shows like I'm OK. You know, quarterbacks comes out on the 12th. That's fine. But if you're taking stuff off, it's got to be in the first. So that way we can at least as a society plan what we're doing because I don't want to watch the first movie, plan to watch the second one, and then on the 26th, nope, that movie's gone now. Sorry, you just got to wait. You're going to forget all about that movie now. What happened in the first one? Who any of the characters are? Who didn't come back for the second one because of a contractual dispute? All of it. So we're keyed up for The Fugitive, and we do Air Force One as a replacement it's good i think it felt a little replacement ish yeah it's you know, not i mean it's not the it's fugitive. not the fugitive you know there's there's no tommy lee jones throwing heat but it, it's it's a good popcorn action movie that you know is really a staple kind of of that era i mean 97 it's Die Hard on a Plane-esque, Speed-esque. We were still... This is probably kind of the tail end of that run of those style of movies, I think, around 97. But still... like in 97, it, it feels like it's sort of in no man's land. Like, if it was made in 92, like, say this came out... Because the movies I was thinking about were like Hunt for Red October or... You know, under siege came to mind because that's like on a boat and you know, sort of a, a similar idea, Crimson Tide, like you know, something like that, where it's an action movie, but it's also okay. It's the government. You got the president. You got, um, but also I think from some of the special effects stuff, which all the the exterior like flight shots looked really cool with the clouds. The only one that they whiffed on, the only one that felt like, ooh, this was definitely like kind of pre technological advances in CGI in the 2000s and whatnot was when the plane actually goes down. Yeah. It looks like, it looks like kind of a bad flight simulator. It's like, Oh, the plane hit the ocean off Turkey and kind of flipped over once and then caught fire. And that's the only thing I was like, Ooh, this. So I think it, like what I mean by no man's land is it needed to be like 91, 92 yeah, around the time of speed. And, I will say when action movies were, you know, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, Van Damme, action movies were very big. This one being in 97 feels like it's almost like in like the era of Titanic where it's like, no, no, like this should be like an epic. And yeah, this, like I said, this and, is the tail end of kind of that run. Yeah. And this really is kind of like the last real good Harrison Ford movie. He'd, he'd been coming off. He had what? Patriot Games in 92. Yep. Followed by the Fugitive, and then Clear and Present Danger. The Ooh, Patriot right. Games and Clear and Present Danger, both Clancy, Jack Ryan movies, mm. which were both very good. So he has those three in a row: Sabrina, Devil Zone, then Air Force One, and then after that, it kind of six days and seven nights. That was kind of the prelude into oh, kind of a romantic comedy actiony mm. type movie didn't work and then it really there's not a whole lot after that Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull did not age well with Shia no. LaBeouf some people enjoyed Cowboys and Aliens he was decent in 42 had a little oh, bit of a right. rebirth yeah he was the white owner in 42. He was, uh, he was Branch Ricky, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, had a little bit of a bounce back when the Star Wars stuff came back, and he was Han sure. Solo again. And now I have not seen the latest Indiana Jones. I don't – I just don't have a huge – I don't feel super great about it. You know, there's like time traveling involved and – are you a uh, are you a big Indiana Jones guy? Yes, I watch okay. probably Temple of Doom at least. I would say three to four times a year is a safe guess, and I don't really watch 
the second one. That one has also not aged super well. There's a lot of so, there's a lot of stuff in that one, but the Last Crusade, I enjoy. I've seen. I want to say like two of them. I think I've seen Raiders. I don't know. I might have seen Temple of Doom. I'm not real sure. Like it, it's been a while since I've even like so, seen yeah, one of those. Raiders. Films. I don't know that that might be one that I have to like. We have to add to the list of like. Okay, I need to watch. You know the the original three. I actually yeah. did see Crystal Skull. I think in theaters, as random as that is. I mean that that says all you need to know about my movie history is that. Oh yeah, no, I've seen the fourth one that came out years later, and I saw that in the theaters. Even though legitimately probably have not seen two out of three of the first first movies. Yeah, Raiders. Like I said, I'll watch three to four times probably a year. Somewhere around there. Temple of Doom is he. That one's the second one. Not as great. Last Crusade, the third one with Sean Connery is good. Mm. I feel like I saw that. I I feel like I definitely saw that. Starts with a young River Phoenix as young Indiana Mm. Jones in the beginning of the movie. But no, yeah, I'm a always love Indiana Jones, though I don't feel great about this last one. So, I think what I don't know, so, something was sort of like off or missing in this movie. It, it's good. I like the story. What I don't fully like grasp, I guess, is like what is General Roddick, the Russian general. Like what, what is his deal? Why is that what Igor, which is, this also was a big name movie. Like I only know that, that Gary Oldman was, uh, Igor because at one point Harrison Ford's holding like a piece of paper or they're got a computer over someone's shoulder and you see his name is like Igor Mushnik or something like that. Like what, what is the deal? Like, why is that? (laughs) He has commandeered an airplane. He is hijacking air force one to get a general released from a prison. But was it a French prison? Russian prison? Like why, why was a Russian general in Russian prison and the U S president could make the request to have him released? Like I, there was a lot of connectivity there that either I missed, missed a subtitle somewhere. Like, why was this the impetus to do something as desperate as Squints putting the moves on the lifeguard in the Sandlot? Like, this was gutsy to hijack Air Force One, and he did it for a general to be released. I also feel like and I don't know this to be true, I feel like journalists aren't normally invited to ride on Air Force One. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it happens more than we think, but usually it's like, oh, there's a print journalist who's doing an interview, and it's one of those like, oh, here's the uh, president doing here's some work six. on Air Force One. Here's six journalists invited on Air Force One, all of <laughs> which are radical loyalists, and we have no idea. Yeah, not to be, uh, you know, kind of too, I don't know. Too I feel like American, head of security but... is not keeping his job after that. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, and to say, yes, we're just going to invite this, like, Russian film crew who didn't have much for luggage. Like, a Russian film crew is just coming on Air Force One, and they're not bringing a whole lot with them. So that didn't trip any alarms. And not only that, when they're going to go through the security and they're going through the checkpoint before they get on the plane, you know, Gary Oldman's like, oh, again, we just, we just did. And the guy's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You can just get on. Like, um, again, maybe not. Yeah. All right. Here's a question for you. Okay. Who is your favorite movie president? Like, I feel like I was thinking about this earlier today. My favorite might be President Whitmore, Bill Pullman in Independence Day. Obviously, one of the greatest speeches. That's the first one that comes to mind. 
was Bill Pullman. I, that, that's who I would have gone with gut reaction because of the speech. He flies the plane, you know, the daughter, um, you know, like his wife passes away with a stripper. Um, yeah, that, that's the first name that comes to my mind is, is Bill Pullman. I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I, I think that's that's got to be the answer, right? I think like so. Ford was Ford was fine in this. Um, did it bug you? And this may be like a nitpicky thing. Did it bug you that he left his coat on the whole time? The whole time, the whole movie. Like he's throwing haymakers, he's shooting guns, he's running up and down stairs, he's shooting it up, he's he's wrestling around with Gary Oldman, and he leaves his blazer on the whole time. Like he has a jacket on until he zip lines out of the plane. Like take the jacket off. Like we get you're the president. Like, but you could be fighting right now, Abe Lincoln style. Just roll up your shirt sleeves. Get rid of the tie. That's just something for the bad guy to grab a hold of when you're grappling. But take the suit coat off. You know, maybe pull your sleeves up and get after it. Maybe he was just trained in jujitsu, so you know he's used to having the gi on. Jacket made him feel like he was it. He was in the dojo. It was just. It was weird. It 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 stuck out like a sore thumb to me. Like the whole second half of the movie, and I'm like, wait a minute. No, no. I mean, not to talk about age. Harrison Ford looks like a distinguished man. I mean, he looked like a president. I tried to think of who else, you know, in the action genre could have played this role or played it better. In terms of looking like a president, I mean, Harrison Ford, out of the possible choices, looks like a president. You Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. He was the president. Could in he do the but the he, American yeah. president? And he just looks like he could be a president. You're president. Well, he obviously was in the American president, which I don't remember that movie. But uh, was that Annette Bening? Mm. I don't remember. Um, Chris Klein in uh, was it Dave? Yes. Where he's, because he's like the stand-in for the yep. president because he looks just like him. Yeah, he was pretty good in that one. And then, you know, if you throw in TV, Martin Sheen had that run on the West Wing. Okay, how about this one? This is more of, of my wheelhouse. Uh, best presidential SNL impersonation. Hmm. I don't know. It's That's hard because... You just you get hammered with the same one for like four years, and that's sure. the only one that pops into my head at the moment. Which Alec Baldwin was very good. Sure, yeah. um, the ones that jumped to my mind. I mean, and it's more of just the ones I, I saw the most. Phil Hartman as Bill Clinton will always be that. That'll just always have a soft spot in my heart. Dana Carvey as George yeah. H.W. Bush. Not getting that. Wouldn't yeah. be prudent at this junk, you know, all of that. Um, so Clinton, uh, Will Ferrell as W. I mean, that just became, you know, a transcendent character for him. I, I think that's kind of my. Well, that's kind of all of them almost. From... <laughs> it's funny yeah. when you think about it, you're like, oh, wait a minute. There's only been how many presidents? Okay. Right. Well, right. And the show starts in 75. So like you kind of lead off with, you know, Dan Aykroyd playing Jimmy Carter in the seventies. And then mm-hmm. they didn't really, cause they kind of hit the, the lull and, and the drop off in 80 when Reagan became president. So they really didn't have someone. I mean, I think Hartman played Reagan towards the end, you know, but it wasn't until Carvey, you know, really nailed uh, the first Bush president, but. Yeah, Hartman. Hart, I'll say, give me Hartman, Carvey, and Will Ferrell as. I'm sure I'm probably forgetting someone from like the last, you know, 20 years. Uh, Jay Farrow was a great yeah. Obama. Just to me, I, there wasn't much there because they didn't. I enjoyed the Jim Carrey Joe Biden. He didn't do it. A that time. was good. I I sort of like the Sadakis as Biden as well, except it was kind of like so short and so. I, okay, you know what? You know who I'm going to put on there? Not a president, but in, in that same realm. Um, give me Larry David as Bernie Sanders. Yep. 
he he was outstanding. Like after a while, I couldn't even listen to Bernie Sanders talk without just imagining Larry David doing doing that impersonation. Talk about putting his one pair of underwear on the radiator at night. Mm. So, sum it up: decent popcorn action movie for Air Force One. It's a fun watch. It's not, you know. It's not going to blow you away. No, and I think that's it. It started in a way you, you sort of know the beats that it's going to hit. Like, I knew nothing of this. I don't believe I've seen really any of it over the years just on cable. But I still sort of know. You know it, it's like watching Titanic, even though I've never seen Titanic. It's like, you know how it ends. Like, they're I not going to kill so. Harrison Ford. Well, but you know that, okay, so they're hijacking Air Force One there's your first hour and a half. You also know that Harrison Ford as the president is not going to die. Oh, and they're not going to kill his wife and they're not going to kill his daughter. Now, surprisingly, they did kill people that were close to him, cabinet members, you know, whatever. And that was surprising. But like at the same time, like I, it was bad. You know, you felt for Harrison Ford watching like the gun being held to his daughter's head, which was, you know, striking enough. But in the end, like, you know, even during the final sequence. And I like how they played that card of the uh, kind of corrupt agent or double agent, if you will, who set the whole thing in motion, who, you know, the inside job. Like, you know that that last card has to be played, that he's going to turn on the president. He's going to turn on America again. You don't really know how, but you also know that guy's not shooting Harrison Ford and tossing his corpse out of the airplane. Like, that's just not happening. The Can you imagine? Like that, so. If you wanted to go ultimate swerve and you were doing that movie or a movie like that would be like Harrison Ford as the president turns out to be one of the bad guys. Sure. And it's, you know, some secret service member that's got to somehow stop the president. Right. That, that would be, that would make it a, that would go from action movie to like psychological thriller where, Right, the the bad guy who starts the whole thing in motion is the one that's actually trying to get the president because he knows the president is like turned on his country, and we find out when he kills William H Macy and dumps his corpse out of the airplane. Yeah, like like that would have been the big twist because that was the whole thing with the movies. Like the whole first hour, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I know they're going to commandeer the airplane. Like that's the premise. Also, I get it's Air Force One. I know it's a big plane. I don't think that plane's that big. Like, there's a lot of room, and there's a lot of gunshots going off on this airplane. Sure. I mean, it's you, you know, like, it's, you know. We, 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 we got Uzis going off all over the place. They're shooting out everything. You're telling me it's like the cabin never got punctured anywhere? It's like the 10 mile runway and like Fast and the Furious 6, yes. where they're just on the runway for 10 minutes going full speed. I, like the almost like the most impressive stuff was I liked how they like sort of like what they were going to refuel the plane and they demanded the refueling because Harrison Ford to cut the wire to you know dump fuel. And when they're asking for the refueling, like they're talking the terrorists through like how to lower their altitude and all this stuff, which felt very realistic because if those guys just knew how to fly the plane, but then there were still moments where like when General Roddick is being let out of prison and the other prisoners are singing some, you know, I don't know if it's the anthem or like whatever it is. And the the guard who apparently at the prison that's very happy is like holding up the phone so Gary Oldman can hear it. Gary Oldman, like he owns the place, just turns around, flicks three switches so that they can hear the phone call through the whole cabin. Like there's a wall of switches behind him. And he just immediately was like, oh, yeah, three green switches right there. You want to hear that? It's like no. Oh. Gary Oldman does his research. <laughs> you're gonna hijack you know, Air Force you, One. You're you know, you're, you're googling. You're googling for uh, for some schematics. <laughs> we are still several years from Google at this point, my friend. You're looking up the Encyclopedia Britannica to find out what are the, what do the buttons in Air Force One do? I'm not sure you could even get that on the internet now, unless you go to the dark web. Yeah. Go to, you know, the public library. Yes. In Washington. <laughs> like, oh. Right, put them on a 
I would Put like the just for looking at it. blueprints and schematics for Air Force One, please. Like, oh, down to the in left a, in nonfiction. In a user's manual for the speakerphone. Do you have that? Do you have the whole speakerphone system? Or um, maybe it just I, had I the say, little speaker symbol right by the switches, like on your remote. I'm going to go ahead and say the most impressive um, display in the whole movie is at the end, the Air Force guy who talks Harrison Ford through flying the plane. Like, I can't even talk someone through how to, like, log into my email over the phone. Like, okay, so you'll put the username here. There should be a blue button. It's a gray button. Okay, the gray button. Does it say log in? It says check in. Okay, yeah, click the check in button. Does it bring you up to the confirmation screen? No, it brings me up to, like, I can't even do that. So the fact that the Air Force guy was like, okay, so you're going to turn that to two, nine, or zero, and then the gauge up to the top, flip that to, and I'm like, okay, nope, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And he's like talking Harrison Ford through flying Air Force One where they're losing fuel. And they have to get down to a certain level so they can start jumping. Like, bravo to that guy. Silver star, gold star, purple heart, whatever. Give, give, give them all to him. Because if you can give directions over the phone to someone on how to do anything, let alone fly an airplane that's going down, you're a genius on a whole new level. Yeah. I can't talk my kids through doing stuff, like, in person. <laughs> like, no, that's not how you turn that off. You got to do this. What are you talking about? When when you can't see what they're seeing, and you try to like anything over the phone like that, it, it's it's an absolute nightmare. It, it is one of the things I hate doing most in the world is, especially something I'm not totally like when like my dad will call me about like, hey, my cable's doing this. What should I do? I'm like, all right, well, like go to the box. There isn't a box. okay. Go to the blue button. It's a red button. Go to the, you know, it's like nope. That's it. I'm done. I can't. I can't figure this out without seeing it myself. Yeah, it's like, just unplug the power from the box. Let it sit for 30 seconds, plug it back in. Which cord? The one plugged into the wall. Any of them, just any of them. All of them. Unplug all of them. There's only two. The the TV, the toaster oven, unplug everything in the house, come back, plug it all back in. We're we're doing a hard reset, whole house. Uh, Well... We'll be back next week. Not sure what movie we're doing yet. Whether we want to go uh, back to some child childhood sports movies again, or if we'll go another action movie, we'll figure it out in the uh, in the coming days. And we might have a little more sports, just a little bit by then. You know, baseball will be back. Like you said, we're getting close to training camps opening up. So we'll start getting some more some more stuff to talk about, I would assume, in the next few weeks. Once again, thanks to LaCare's Power Sports for sponsoring the show, as well as our other Uncommon Media podcast. Check out Uncommon Deeds, the No Fouls podcast. Check out Sterling's Columns that are up on the Facebook pages. Give him a read. I know he's deep diving into the 2004 Red Sox right now. You got stuff coming on that, right? Yeah. I'm, uh, so I, I have the DVDs from uh, the 2004 postseason. So I'm watching kind of the full game broadcast. I started game four because I'm not watching those first three against the Yankees. And uh, yeah, I mean, those <laughs> talk about a, a barrier of entry. The first game. Total running time originally was like five hours and two minutes. And then the next game is five hours and 39 minutes. They're the longest and then exceeded at the next night, the two longest games in uh, American league postseason history. And uh, yeah, back to back days, nights, same day, 24 hour period, whatever. Um, yeah. So right now I've been watching like three hours of this is without commercials, three hours of game five and I've just finally now made it to the top of the ninth. It's a cliffhanger. I'm not going to spoil what happens. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think this auction going to close down the ninth, but uh, but we'll see. So now just doing some kind of fun recaps, looking at stuff. Everyone's going to do it again. Why wait till the 20th anniversary? Like, why wait to get your snowmobile 
until December when everyone wants it. Why am I going to be competing with everyone a year from now when everyone's going to do the 20-year retrospectives on the 04 Red Sox? Get it a year early. Get it now and celebrate this team on the 19th anniversary. Lucky 19. Lucky 19. We'll be back next week. You have been listening to the New Sports Order, a production of Uncommon Media. Uncommon Media.